The hardest work appliance in any kitchen has to be the refrigerator. It sits there all day and night doing its best to keep our food cold. It might not be something that we give too much thought to, but the fact is our lives would be very different without a fridge. And, as common as they are today, like every person in the developed world has one, it hasn't been that way for very long. I'm Chef Ben, this is Food in 5, and today we're looking at a brief history of refrigerators. Before we get into the history of fridges, I want to take a second and talk about how they work. Because honestly, up until about 10 minutes ago, the way I thought fridges worked was fundamentally wrong. The fridge in your kitchen keeps things cold not by introducing cold air to the insulated box, but rather by extracting warm air to the point that the temperature inside the fridge is much lower than the ambient temperature of the room the fridge is in. I think I had this mixed up because walk-in fridges, like the ones found in restaurants, actually have compressors that blow cold air, and for whatever reason I assumed that this was how home fridges worked as well. I just never really thought about it that much. Now, we may take our fridges for granted, in fact, I know that we do, but our grandparents and even some of our parents will remember a time when no one owned a fridge. Prior to the residential refrigeration becoming commonplace, ice boxes were all the rage. And by all the rage, I mean they were the only thing that could keep food cold. An ice box is exactly what it sounds like, an insulated box to which blocks of ice would be added to keep food cold. And it wasn't until the late 1940s that fridges really became common in home kitchens. That was only just 70 years ago. That is not a very long time. Now, even into the 50s, a lot of people still used ice boxes due to how expensive fridges were. And even though fridges in homes weren't common until the middle of the 20th century, the technology had been around for quite some time prior to that. In 1755, a Scottish professor named William Cullen created a partial vacuum by pumping the air out of a small chamber. In the chamber, he had a bowl of diethyl ether. While under the pressure of the vacuum, the diethyl ether boiled and absorbed the heat from within the chamber, dropping the temperature of the chamber and even creating a small amount of ice. Now, William Cullen had created the first artificial refrigeration system, but really saw no use for it at that point. Over the next century, many people would build upon Cullen's discovery. In 1856, James Harrison patented a vapor compression system which could use ether, alcohol, or ammonia. With this technology, Harrison built the first artificial ice house, and this signaled a fundamental shift in the technology. This is the basic idea that today's fridges are built upon. In 1876, a German professor named Karl von Lind developed a better way to liquefy gas, and this led to the use of ammonia gas, sulfur dioxide, and methyl chloride as more efficient refrigerants. In the 1920s, Frigidaire was issued a patent for a Freon-based fridge. Freon was, a safer and cheaper, was safer and cheaper than ammonia, sulfur dioxide, and methyl chloride, and this Freon-based technology is what our modern fridges are directly based on. In 1913, the first domestic fridges were invented by Fred W. Wolf. These were initially just compressors that were fitted to ice boxes. Within the next few years, different versions of standalone refrigerators would be introduced, including the Kelvinator, which was the first real standalone fridge. Now, the, the first real fridges consisted of the main insulated compartment and then a compressor, similar to today. However, the compressor would often be in the basement. And the cost of these fridges was almost double what a Model T cost at the time, so very few people owned them. 
1927, the first more compact unit was developed and the compressor was seated on top of the fridge. Now eventually compressor technology improved and the compressor was moved to the bottom of the fridge which is where it sits on most home fridges today. The reason it was on top of the fridge in, the, in, the, in 1927 was because the compressor gives off so much heat with these initial excuse me, these initial compressors did that if you put it below the fridge, it would be impossible to keep the fridge cold. But then as the technology improved, they were able to put the compressor under. Now from the initial icebox add-on of the compressor in 1913, the technology advanced to a point that within 15 years we had something that resembled and fundamentally worked the same as modern fridges. Then in the 50s, automatic defrost and freezes were added. After that, over the next preceding 70 to 80 years, fridge technology really only improved in two ways. Efficiency of the compressor to both extract heat from the insulating compartment and the ability to dissipate that heat from the compressor into the surrounding environment. Essentially meaning that you can more efficiently cool the insulated chamber and you can more efficiently distribute the heat from the compressor into the room so that it's not being absorbed back into the fridge. And the second advancement has come in the form of a more efficient insulated compartment. So better insulation, better ceilings around the doors. And with these two advanced technologies working in tandem, we have the fridge that sits in your kitchen today. And obviously a lot of fridges have the ability to chill water in like in the door that you put your cup in and it pours water or you know automatic ice dispensers, but these aren't really um, innovations. They're just kind of add-ons to the fridge. Anyway, there you go. I'm Chef Ben. This is Food and Five. This has been a brief history. <laughs> history. This has been a brief history of refrigeration. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, and if you did, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Chef Ben Kelly, and on Facebook at Ben Kelly Cooks. You can like and subscribe to this podcast. You can even tell your friends about it. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. I always sincerely appreciate it, and I'm consistently blown away by just how many people are listening to this podcast. And I love you all. Thank you so much. I'll be back tomorrow. Another fantastic episode of Food and Five. And tomorrow, we're talking about everything I know about stew. I'll see you then. Have a great Thursday, everybody.